We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Pod Maverick After Dark. This is Kirk Henderson and Josh Bo joining you at about 10.30 on January 1st, 2024. Josh, how are you? Uh, I'm doing good. It's good to see your face. Good to see you alive and about as well rested as I can imagine you can be at this yeah. moment in time. It's so great. Like yeah. this morning, my you've wife. Got the, you've got the team zip. You've got the Jason Kidd glasses on. My, my wife <laughs> at about 5.45 this morning, she walks in and the boy, the boy slept. From about, he he has stretches, but mm-hmm. she walk, But he also he just has periods in the night where he just won't sleep. He's only eight weeks old. This stuff will work itself out, and if not, we'll pay someone to help us. That's what <laughs> that's you know. I, I I will lose my mind at that point. But about five forty five, she walks into me and she goes, "You get to deal with this now." And so that's just <laughs> kind of been my day. Um, and you know this game really really put a put a punctuation point. On a hilariously just dumb all around day for me, and that's sort of the, the way this goes. You know, you look forward to a game, you look forward to a little shooty hoops. The Dallas Mavericks didn't have to play on New Year's Eve, which I was like gleeful for um, because I didn't want to cover a basketball game on New Year's Eve. Not like I did anything. Um, like I, I watched Fargo; that was pretty fun. Um, and the Mavericks come out, and they, you know, for those of you who are who are listening and may not know, the Mavericks got waxed by the fucking Utah Jazz <laughs> to start the year, one twenty-seven to ninety. That that is a, a, a nearly forty-point loss to the Utah Jazz. And so I also was on recap duty tonight. And anybody that's read me, I sort of use like the recap to work through my feelings. It's sort of a, a therapy process in and of itself. And I started writing because there was a, there's, I pretty much ever anybody but Jaden Hardy and then Derek Lively's offense. I was pissed at, and we'll get to that on this show if we want to. 
Um, but I just said, fuck it. You know, sometimes in 82 games, you're going to have a game like this. And what I can't possibly fathom, and the chat is really, really in tune with this tonight, is what the hell? Like, how is a coaching staff, are you that unprepared to play on the third game of a three-game road trip? Like, they, they look like, I mean, they look like they went out in Utah on Sunday. Like, which probably isn't even a thing. You know, did they drink a bunch of 1% beers? Like, what was what was that game? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, historically, we've done this enough. The last game of a road trip is never mm. a good one. That's and, a good point. Okay. But, but, because, but, you know, someone was, you know, I'm kind of having a back and forth with someone in my mentions about that, which is like, you know, it happens. Last game of road trip. Like, but that doesn't mean... You get to lay an egg. You know, you get to lay an egg. Like, I wasn't shocked. Like, my main thing is I wasn't shocked the Mavericks lost because Utah, at full strength, they got some guys. Like, Lori Markkinen is really good. They're going to uh, be trade market players because Danny yeah. Ainge is just going to extract value for people. Yeah, like, Lori Markkinen's good. John Collins is whatever. But, like, he's he's a player who puts up numbers. Colin Sexton's not bad. Uh, Kelly Olynyk's pretty good. Um, Jordan Clarkson's pretty good. Like uh, Walker Kessler is pretty good. Like they've they've got some guys. Uh, I, we both love uh, Keontae George. Uh, shout out to the former DFW or not former, but shout out to the DFW native. Like they got Lewis some guys. Lewis this, Lewis high school. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is not the team they played. You know, earlier when they beat by fifty. Like they got some guys. Your so like, died. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I'll, I'll keep talking. But I'll, get <laughs> I'll keep talking. I know. Um, like I said, they got some guys. So I wasn't shocked they lost. But they were never competitive. Like, this game was never competitive. I mean, they got it to five in, like, the second half and I think in the third quarter. But, that like, they never had a chance to tie. They never no. had a chance to take the lead. Like, they got their asses kicked from opening tip to closing buzzer. And that's the part where I'm like, all right, come on now. Like They that got was- beat by the Fonz, okay? Some guy – and, look, yeah. I'm not going to act like – like, my fa- there, there's two kinds of fans, I think, of the NBA. You kind of have, like – you're more hardcore fan of dudes who watch every game, like our guy Micah, who comes on. To, I think he watches just tons of basketball. Then you get kind of your your team, your your folks that watch your team only. I follow a hell of a lot of basketball, but I don't watch a ton anymore because I just can't. It's not in my life. I had no idea who Simone or Simon Simone Fontecchio was. None. And he hung 12 quick points on the Mavericks. And it was it was immediately an, oh, no, this <laughs> yeah. is going to be a long day. Yeah, 24 points, which is a season high. He played in the 50-point blowout. Um, he played – he had seven points um, in that game. So uh, take that for what you will. He, they smartly – like, Luca was guarding him. And they immediately just ran, like, off-ball off action to get him open for threes. Because it was pretty evident from opening tip that Luca had no interest in, in playing defense. Uh, yeah, right. And the Jazz, well, okay, we're, well, see ya. We're gonna we're gonna burn you on some on some off ball screens and flare actions. And it's to the point where, like, let's just sort of start with Luca, um, and we'll go through this and, as the game wears on, and we can kind of talk about guys in different situations. Like, look, we've we will praise Luca when he deserves praise. We will. Um, we will absolutely beat on Luca when he deserves it. And he was awful tonight. This is one of his most frustrating offensive and defensive performances, which 
He's not really given us a lot to complain about on either end for about a month. So I feel kind of bad beating on him. He was sort of due for a bad game, mm-hmm. but he was letting one dribble just, just saloon door. We're talking like when, what was the year where Lucas showed up to camp at two seventy five? like that? It was real, like just, just Olay style defense. And you, you can't do that. You just can't do it offensively he was making you know luke always makes good passes he ends up with 14 assists he has a ball all the time these things are going to happen he didn't shoot he shot two two point shots in the first half two drive i know he doesn't want to get hit every time and frankly walker kessler had his number tonight he just did um and that's the first time i can remember like a shot blocker blocked lucas three-point shot uh on a step back can't remember he got him at the rim too and he got him at the rim on a night like he like he had a kind of a almost like a curl uh heading to the basket where Kyrie found him, threaded him, got it right at the rim, and he just got stuffed by Kessler. And you know, sometimes you don't have it. And he's been playing 40 some like the season December, I think he played the most minutes per game he's ever played over a stretch. Um, so I feel again, I feel bad beating on him, but he's a team leader and he came out and played awful, which gives everyone else a chance to play awful um <laughs> just to be quite candid like like tim in the chat i think it was tim tim clark i'm going to looking for the he asked if luca's hurt and i think the way to discuss whether luca is hurt or not is uh is he able to play are you hurt or are you injured kind of discussion at this point luca's always hurt i'm sorry he's 260 pounds he is a tank he gets hammered on to no avail by the refs He's hurt a lot. This quad is going to bother him the whole year. That also, I think the Mavericks use that as kind of a paper excuse to get out of stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that you know, Luca's shooting so well from three this year, it allows him, it gives him kind of an opportunity of when to pick and choose. He hit, I want to say, two threes to start the second quarter and just fell in love with himself and and didn't stop. And at that point, he missed three more and he needed to stop. That was that was the real real tough one. Yeah, what, 20 shots total, seven of them are threes. Uh, seven of them are twos. Sorry, no, 13 of a, them are threes. That's a bad shot diet for one yeah. of the guys. He he shoots, again, guys, he shoots, or at least prior to this game, maybe it was a couple weeks ago, but Kevin O'Connor shared the stat. He shoots 82% on unassisted shots in the restricted area. Go there. Yeah, uh, and especially like the starting lineup the Jazz played, I mean, they didn't have... I mean, they didn't play center. I mean, fun, yeah. Funchecchio, Marketing, Collins, mm-hmm. those are not those are not shot blockers. So Utah was switching uh, pretty much everything, which I guess, you know, switching against Luka is one way to keep him. Because, you know, he loves to go, you know, he loves to attack like drop and doubles, mm-hmm. and that's the way he gets to the rim. Maybe not with doubles, but like he loves to attack drop. That's a good way to get him to the basket. Or he likes to attack switches when... Uh, it's a switch with a big man and he can get to the rim or he can kind of cradle them into that step back three. I mean, the jazz just kind of kept with that starting lineup. They kind of just kept switching just kind of rangy wings on him. Uh, and, and he just had no desire to get to the rim. And then when they played Kessler, uh, they did play a little bit more drop, a little bit more hedge, a little more show and recover pick and roll coverage. And then of course, Kessler gets four has four blocks. He blocks Luca twice. So uh, it was just not, you know, it, he fell in love with the three against the smaller lineup because they were switching and he he felt like it was probably the path of least resistance on a night where maybe he just wasn't having it. And then when Kessler was in, he probably thought, okay, there's like, cause you know, he loves attacking big men. Like 
slow foot. You know, I don't, I'm not saying Kessler is slow footed, but like he loves going after like the traditional center. Like, you know, think of your uh, Zubak, like he loves, you know, Zubak. Yep. He loves going after Gobert, even though he's like defensive player of the year. Like he loves going after centers. Uh, and he saw Kessler and it was like, okay, now I'm going to start cooking. I'm going to start doing things. And, and Kessler just had his number. So, yep. you know, it just cascaded. Like there was never a lineup combination where it felt like Luca could, you know, assert his dominance in terms of getting to the basket, unless he kind of forced the issue and he really didn't force the issue. He was pretty passive. Uh, and then the Jazz, I think, we play, like they play either the most zone or the second most zone this season. I know it was brought up on the broadcast. Uh, so that also deterred him from getting to the rim. And I think that also, like, I don't know what it is about professional basketball players when they see zone defense and they act like they've never seen it before. Uh, but that happened tonight, if you want to talk about that, which, like, that kind of feels like what happened to the role players. The zone defense was pretty effective in that regard. <sighs> I don't know if you want to talk about Kyrie. I do. And and so I think the Kyrie conversation for tonight's game is best served understanding that when you miss 12 straight games, you get a fair amount of leeway to to come, you know, to to kind of find yourself. And what I will say is with the exception of the burst at the 10 minute mark of the fourth quarter, he didn't really give you a lot to make you feel comfortable with his health. Um Kyrie is not a foul merchant, which works against him in a lot of circumstances because he doesn't milk stuff. He had a right-handed layup and actually a left-handed layup too at the rim, makes both of them, but also gets hit and just, I think if he falls down, he probably gets a call and he doesn't. And, you know, life just kind of goes on, but he, he, he shot, you know, he shot some exceptionally difficult shots tonight. Um, I said three, he only shot three threes, which is weird. That's right. He needs to be shooting more threes. Well, like this is this is a kind of incredible comment in the in the chat. Fan one two three says uh, Kyrie is so boring to watch, and I'm, I want to use that as a jumping off point because I disagree in the sense of I feel like Kyrie is waiting for particular moments to strike, and he's being such a facilitator to the point to where he's a bystander and. I'm sorry, if he's the guy out there and there's Tim Hardaway and Jaden Hardy, I don't want to fucking see those other two dribble. I don't want to do it. Like, stop putting Hardy in that position. Really don't put Tim in that position. Like, let's let Kyrie Irving orchestrate an offense, please. And that's on Kyrie. That's the real thing here. It's like earlier in the chat, it was kind of driving me crazy because there's these people, oh, we got to get kid out of here. First of all, kid serves by the grace of Luca and Kyrie. Let's be clear. Okay, like the moment they're sick of him, that's when he'll be gone. Until then, I really don't really want to talk about Jason Kidd that much. But Kyrie can do Kyrie things. He is choosing not to. He is. Like, this is a man who can put his imprint on the game whenever he wants, and he is choosing not to. Until he, he and, and that sort of just, it's driving me a little bit nuts, even if I understand why. Yeah, I mean, maybe this was a case of him easing back into a game. He hadn't played in almost a month. So I didn't expect him to look lights out, uh, yeah. but I mean that's why they're going to lose because they if he's playing 32 minutes and he's not a productive offensive player, which he wasn't. He was six of 14 from the floor. He only got to the free throw line once. We talked about how that's you know partly yeah. because he doesn't over exaggerate, which I think is act pretty admirable that he doesn't do that. But it's kind of like that Monte when Monte else was in Dallas, he also never got to the free throw line because he didn't exaggerate. 
We only had four, you know, four assists, only one turnover, which is nice. But a lot like of rebounds, points. which made me laugh. He, yeah. he, he kind of got sick. I there was well, a Jazz shot like, a lot of threes. They had a lot of long rebounds, which he got for yeah. sure. But like I, I'm just saying, like if he's not, I mean, he has to dominate the game offensively. If he's not, that's big trouble because you're playing Luca and Kyrie together a lot of minutes and if you're playing those two guys a lot of minutes, it's hard. You know, I'm not saying they can't be a good defense or or what or a winning defense. And yeah, it just you're behind the eight ball. Like you, if if those two guys are struggling so much offensively, like you already know that you're not going to get awesome defense with those two uh, as part of a five man unit. Like what? That's how you see a result like tonight. Like the Jazz basically kind of did whatever they wanted offensively. Uh, they only shot 12 of 44 from three. So this isn't one of those games where you sit back and throw your hands up and be like, ah, nothing the Mavericks could have done. Utah got hot. No, they, they kicked the Mavericks asses uh, when the Mavericks were on defense. Like they got in the paint uh, pretty well. And that's, you know, if Kyrie is not in, this goes for Luca too. This isn't just a Kyrie thing. Like if those guys are not on their games offensively, I mean, it just kind of snowballs on the defensive end. The Jazz had 66 points in the paint. That is a lot. <sighs> and so the kind of moral of the, that story is that, you know, when you're, when your top two offensive options aren't very good on offense in a given day and also don't really try that hard on defense, it's going to be hard for anything <laughs> else to sort of manifest. Yeah. I have a guy, I love this. Jay Gowry in the chat says, Luca was great one-on-one defensively. Again, my man, the Fawn scored 12 points on Luca on Luca to open the game. I've never heard of that guy before, and he absolutely kicked Luca's butt. Did Luca play better defense in the second part of the game? Yeah, but there's lots of these things where it's like, when you see Luca or Kyrie and then Josh Green, God, when I see guys get beat off of single dribble moves, it makes me lose my mind. It means yeah. that they're, it's like, do you not know your, your man's tendencies? It just, that sort of stuff... It, no, and it, it, this, it wasn't contested threes. And I'm sorry. I mean, go back. I mean, go back Just and rewatch go watch, his, go watch his threes. Those like, first three games. Yeah, I mean, Luca yeah. was not. He was off ball. I mean, you. I mean, he could be right. Maybe Luca was okay one on one, but the Jazz didn't attack him one on one. They attacked him off the ball using screening actions and stuff to get him uh, out of position. Effort thing too, where you could kind of throw your hands up at most of the team tonight on defense. Like I yeah. just. Yeah. I, I can't, I, I can't with some of these guys on nights like tonight. And like, you know, when you go through the lineup and you kind of bitch about everybody like live, <laughs> like Lively's just had a, had, you know, he, he's, he's the man we love lively, <laughs> but he's also had a, a real, he's just had kind of a, a real rough defensive edge. And I don't know. I think that's where it kind of comes back into the, like, I don't, I, I said in game, I really don't like this the switch based scheme the Mavericks run sometimes because when it doesn't work they're getting burned all the time because the handoffs on the switches aren't smooth because guys aren't crisp and you know you Luca or Josh Green gets run into a screen for the nth time and doesn't know what to do the man who he's handing off to is then a step behind and it's just I I just I get why they do it because when it works it actually looks pretty good but it's just like sometimes they just don't have it it drives me crazy yeah I know and I wonder with Lively um, do you feel like there's enough tape on him now that maybe teams are are just challenging him in different well, ways a bit more or do you think you know because 
he had a, a run where I mean he had two, seven, two, two, one, three, two blocks. Since then, um, funny enough that he got hurt in the Portland game. Since he came back from the Portland game, he has three blocks in one, two, three, four, now five games, which is by far his lowest. Like if you pulled a stretch of like five games, that's the least amount of blocks he's had in in multiple stretch in multiple games in a row sometimes. So on one hand, I wonder if the ankle is not all the way there um, and he's just missing a little bit of, of burst at the rim. Another point is I just I wonder if teams are just know him more now and are, and are figuring out his tendencies and he's not like this new fresh face kid that no one has any tape on NBA tape on at least and they're figuring him out. And then three, he's kind of in it like I mean you you have so many one on two situations that the like when guys are getting to the rim so cleanly against him, it's just unreasonable to ask him to clean that, up so many mistakes. That I think is kind of the, the, the big point. And, you know, there was like this, this game deserved like Benny Hill music at certain points where this goes for Luca, like Luca, Luca, Josh green, who, man, we'll circle back to Josh, but like Derek lively missed a couple of lobs. Like there were just so many, like what is happening plays to these Mavericks to where I kind of just want to say, all right, Throw this game completely out. Let's get two right games against the the, the Portland Trailblazers and then move on. But I I think we kind of owe it just to to talk about this game as a whole. You know, you saw. No, kind no, of yeah, the, we don't. Uh, yeah, before you, I saw. I mean, interrupt. But like, uh, no one's ringing any alarm bells over here. But we're allowed to talk about a crappy game when a crappy game happens. I know. It's just I, yeah. I if I, if you're a person who wants to like turn off the podcast and go on to the next one, no, that's this is definitely one that I understand because it's like. We said that the Cleveland Cavaliers game was probably the worst loss of the year because they should have won this game or that game. This game, it in hindsight, the Mavericks didn't have it from the get-go. And you don't really know where to put like like the the blame doesn't lie with one particular person. I mean, no, the, you know, this is a game where you have fans wanting to ship Tim Hardaway off, but Tim Hardaway also sort of proved his value by when he, you know, he's 0 for 6 from three and when Tim Hardaway's not hitting the offense just doesn't look the same. And that's where you hope a Kyrie Irving will start, you know, picking up the pace on offense. And he wasn't able to tonight first game back. That's fine. And, and it's just, there's elements of this where if, if you want to kind of, you know, hand wave it fine. If you really want to get into the weeds, I also get that too. And, and that's where, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit like Tim, I just wish Tim would hit shots. That's kind of, you know, kind of the nature of it. I, I, I don't know who I want to talk about next because I I think that you know when Dante Axum goes down you know his his heel contusion that's, that's big um, that's big because they just sort of um they just sort of figured out that they want to use him only for the fact that I bet he's not available for a couple of games. Yeah, I mean he's been kind of the linchpin uh, over the last month aside from Luca. Like the story is Luca, Luca, Luca for December, and then it was Exum. Um, and it's a bummer because that was the talk, like the the Jones, Exum, Doncic, Kyrie, Lively lineup played like 50, 50 or 70 possessions, something like some small number, like less than a game's worth of possessions. And it was awesome. Like that data said it was awesome. But again, it was less than a, a game's worth of, of data for the most part. And they finally get it. And now they're not, pro- you know, they might not get it back to it. Uh, quickly um so that sucks because you wanted to see what exum looks like this version of exum looks like in the starting lineup with luca and Kyrie. like 
if they're going to have to put that on hold for a little bit, you know, that's frustrating. Um, so, but so yeah. I, wa- I want to address one thing because this is an interesting, interesting thing. So Ash in the chat asks, you know, why being so hard on Kyrie? Number one, we're not. Yeah. Number two, I think it's worth like talking about because we criticize and praise everybody pretty equally. But I will just be candid. Like Bobby in the chat is like, why is everybody so so light on Kyrie? And there is something to that, Bobby. I frankly don't feel like dealing with a bunch of 17-year-olds telling me how fucking good Kyrie Irving is. That happens every time you criticize the guy. Every time you say anything, even remotely, well, he's not God's gift to basketball, and you get a whole bunch of like Kyrie Superstan accounts, and that'll, they'll probably clip this and put it out there tonight. And it's just like, it's not worth it. It's just not worth it for me because I don't feel like dealing with that. I'm also literally not that bothered by his performance tonight because it's his first game back. But you asked the question of, do you want him to shoot more? I do want Kyrie to look like he, um, I want Kyrie to be the second guy. I want him to be the second guy who's capable of being the number one guy. Does that, does that make sense? Like I, yeah. he, he, he signed a great deal for the Mavericks and for him relative to his talent, three years, $120 million. I want him to look like it some nights. And then they're just like, you go look at box scores and he never really has a terrible box score, but there are games when you're watching and you're, and you're like, Kyrie's out there for 36 minutes. I didn't notice that he was out there. And like, he's just too talented for that. And the comeback to that will be, well, Luca has the ball all the time. And let me tell you, that's just not the case. Whenever Luca's on the bench, he can't have the ball. So that's just sort of where I was thinking about with that, where it's just, you know, I'm sure he'll come back and just beat the shit out of Portland. The, the two get right games from Portland is definitely what this team needs if they're going to come together. So, yeah, for sure. Uh, but unfortunately, like Utah game could have been a get right. Like, you know, they're kind I, of in the same. Lori Markkinen is just Portland's the kind of guy. Worse. Yeah. Portland's definitely a worse team for sure. Lori is just so he, he, he strikes fear into you because he plays the same way, kind of, you know, like a more athletic you're earlier in his prime Dirk plays not to be you know to to he's just he's an attacker and he's big and he's skilled and he's like Dallas just doesn't really have anybody to guard him even, even though have awesome of a game tonight no but his second quarter was pretty like he yeah. was he was pretty dope he was yeah. he was pretty dope so anyway um then you get to kind of the rest of these guys and so it's it's like a chicken or the egg thing where you kind of hold Luca and Kyrie the most responsible since they're the stars But then you look at the other players and you're like, what is it you guys do here where, (laughs) you know, if you if you want to hear me criticize somebody, Ash, we're going to talk about two players right now who I don't want to see play basketball anymore. The first is Grant Williams. What is going on with this guy? I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I was trying to be the voice of reason with him. Uh, and people were very mad, you know, were not okay with that. Cause I was just like, I can't, be- I can't imagine he's one. I, he's probably not the player that he started the season. Like he's not a 50% three point shooter or whatever he was in sure. the first seven games. But I also just couldn't believe that he was the player that he's been for like the last three weeks. Um, and like the, the the two like being so bad on two like he's so bad on twos, uh, his three point shooting for the season is still about in line with what he's done the last two to three years. So like I don't know if I'm ready to pull the ripcord yet, but like he just keeps stacking these crappy games on top of crappy games, and not just like missing a bunch of sh- like missing a bunch of shots and like scoring 
11 points, but he goes two of 10 from three. Like just these invisible performances where he just, he's not even shooting probably as much as he should. Cause I wonder if he's in his head. Oh, he's definitely slump. in his head. That pass from the right wing that mm-hmm. he threw out of bounds to the baseline was yeah. one. And that, that was like in the third quarter. There's just a guy who he, he, he cannot, he, he cannot get anything going. And the way the Mavericks play, unfortunately, he just has to hit a shot. You know? I know. His his job is, I mean, defensively, they probably ask too much of him. But offensively, they're not asking him to do anything outside of his comfort zone. Uh, they're asking him to spot up and hit threes. And that's what he did in Boston. And the fact that he's doing that in Dallas and he's playing with Luka and occasionally, you know, now he's playing with Kyrie. Luka is by far the best three-point shot creator in the league, I think. He's sure. significantly better passer than anything he had in Boston, and that's no disrespect to anyone no, in Boston. No, true. Yeah. Like, the fact that he, like the fact that his three-point shooting is, is going through such a, a rough slump when you consider the looks that he gets and his role, it's just tough. And, then like, yeah, the season, you know, he's shooting 39% on the season, which still looks good, but, like, he just has not had back-to-back good games since – November. Um he he scored in double digits four times four times since November 18th and each one of those has been followed up by like one of his worst games of the season. He scored 16 against Memphis and then he had five against OKC, 19 against the Lakers and he had five on two of 11 shooting against Minnesota, 14 against the Spurs, then he had three in 27 minutes against the Suns. He had 10 against the Warriors, and you're like, all right, is he is he getting back to it? And then, you know, tonight, 18 minutes, four points, misses all three. So, like, he just has not been able to string together consecutive solid performances since, you know, before Thanksgiving. I mean, that's, well, it's just getting to the point now where, like, I wanted to be like, well, let's wait till February. Let's see if this stabilizes. But it's just it just keeps getting worse, I feel like, which is just it's just baffling. And I had low expectations. I was not expecting this guy to be like, oh, he's going to average like 15 and five. and He's going to be like this super role player, super starter. I just thought he was going to be like a younger Dorian Finney-Smith, which really wasn't, I thought that wasn't a high expectation uh, for him. And unfortunately, he is playing like a younger Dorian Finney-Smith in the sense that he's playing like Dorian Finney-Smith in Dorian's like first three years. Well, you know, yeah. but here, here's, here's the special, here, here's kind of the additive part. Yeah. Dorian never did a damn thing that I can think of that that embarrassed me. As yeah, this is the other part of it that sucks. Like this, this, this jobber bullshit that he's doing, where he's he's acting like a shitty wrestler coming in and hitting somebody with a chair from behind. I'm tired of it. Okay, you get into a physical altercation on the court. You and I played. People in the chat, you've played. Shit happens in the moment of competition, and sometimes you do something you regret and you walk away from it, mm. and it. What I don't, that stuff frustrates me, but then I'm kind of like, all right, whatever. Tonight, you had to see Seth walking him off the floor. Shut the fuck up and get off the floor. Who do you think you are to continue pointing and yelling at ranting? You're the guy that shot two of seven from the floor for four points and three turnovers. Go away. You don't get to do stuff like this. You are not who you think you are. You are Grant Williams, the man, the Mavs' eighth man off the bench. Yeah, the fact that the, he's been demoted to the bench and it's like this isn't getting any better. Like 
that's where like i was like well maybe he's playing against bench players and this is gonna get better and it's not and yeah like he had a technical tonight after getting in a tangle with Keontae george and it was just a like rookie grow up man it was, yeah it's just like i can handle players playing poorly because it happens um i'm a dwight powell defender so i know all about <laughs> defending players playing poorly that's in my wheelhouse but at least powell like doesn't do anything that's like i mean you could say his play at times can be embarrassing but like i'm just talking about like keeping it like he keeps his head in the game for the most part he isn't trash talking while he's missing all of his threes he's in getting technical fouls he's in getting yeah. dumb offensive fouls because he loses his cool because he's playing like crap yep like that's the part where i'm like if you're gonna if you're gonna like goon it up like be like a be like that kind of guy and also stink like that's hard that's hard to defend like and it's just not fun to watch like i don't want to watch a guy like pick up crappy cheap fouls and talk smack and sh- like thinking that he's like getting his team into the game you know, by being that instigator, like, like no, Draymond because- Green was an instigator, but he also for like his first like four or five years of his career was like the best defensive player ever. Like you're coming off the bench and missing all your three pointers. Like you have to earn uh, that ability to to act to behave like that on the court. I feel like, and that's just it. Just makes it worse. It's yeah. just it, it's not aesthetically pleasing. It's not fun to watch. So so please stop. And then we come to Josh, who Josh Green had a great game against the Golden State Warriors. He really did. Just like a game where I was questioning, like, did they like fake an injury so he could get his shot right? <laughs> you know, because I yeah. mean, it was, like his shot was great, but a great game, great game. Yeah. And then there's tonight where it's just he was he's actually the personification of Benny Hill music. Like the way Josh played tonight was like an emblematic for the entire Mavericks team. Because the mistakes and the weirdness just can't be competed with. Like, uh, number one, I wish someone had never pointed out to me how he, how he, what happens when he, he um, sees a screen or rather doesn't see a screen. Because every time I see him run into a screen, one, I wonder if he's going to hyperextend his elbow because he leads like he's Derrick Henry with that arm. And like that hurts after a while. You think that's how he's had the elbow injury two years in a row now? I mean, I have no idea what I'm talking about here. <laughs> that is what I think. Yes. Okay. Um, but then there's like the, the offensive stuff like that, uh, that he, he ran, he runs the floor so hard and it's really great. Yeah, it does. But like, but, uh, didn't he miss a dunk or did he miss an oop? I'm thinking, I can't remember. Lively missed an oop. Lively missed uh, a dunk. Yeah. Uh, li- there was I mean, just, are you talking about the play in the first half where he, he looked off Luca? Oh, that yeah. one was, I'd forgotten about that. So the, mm-hmm. there's, there's two Josh Green plays, which were particularly har- harrowing in, in hindsight was the one that, that resulted, it was in the third quarter that resulted in um, the jazz uh, cause calling a um, coaching challenge because the, the NBA refs were like, there's just no way an NBA player can lose a ball like this. It was on a fast break. He catches it under the rim. He pump fakes and then the ball goes out of bounds. <laughs> He just should have laid it up the first time or taken the hit or something. And he like managed to do none of those things, which was just truly remarkable. And then, um, and then there was the first half one where he gets a long rebound on the right side of the floor. Luca calls for it because it's semi-transition and Kessler's guarding him. He ignores Luca, which I actually think that was the right call. Push the ball up the floor, get the ball up the floor. Don't do the Luca walk it up thing. But then he's on the right side of the floor, and due to transition defensive matchups, Luca has Walker Kessler on him, and Luca's waving, and he just ignores Luca entirely and takes it to the rim and gets stuffed by the basket. I think 
Like mm-hmm. it was bad. And it just it, that was when I was like, okay, the game is the game is done. The game is done. So <laughs> yeah, that was tough. Uh he had what do you have? Zero points. Um <laughs> Yeah, he had zero zero points. Oh, oh for four from the field. Oh for one from three. And he's had some good games. So it's well, he had has he? I mean, he had one good game. I pick on him. No, he's had a lot of high assist games. He's been a connecting piece. I I feel bad for picking on him, but it's just like there are times (laughs) when I'm like, does he know how to play basketball at all? I understand picking on him, but he's. I mean, compared to last season, this is not. I think what most people were expecting him to look like this season. I mean, he has not been. He has not, but he has not taken another step forward, which I know not all player development is linear. Um, and he was on a pretty linear path from rookie year to last year, like skyrocketing um, from year over year. So it was probably, it was very unsustainable for him to take another leap above that, but he's regressed in some areas this year. That's a little, you know, I mean, it's still early enough and he missed a bu- enough games that yeah. he could still obviously turn it around. But, but yeah, uh, the defense stuff is what like, Honestly, the offense stuff, that's going to come and go. Like, I never really believed a lot in his offense last season because it was just so ridiculous. Like, his true shooting numbers were just – he was not going to match that again. So, like, him cooling off on offense is kind of whatever. The fact that he's still in year – we're in year four, and I feel like he's just just not there as a defensive impact player yet is is probably the thing that I'm I'm a little more bummed out than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. And it's – I don't know. I mean, despite my disgust at this game, like this is one of the, and this is why we do these podcasts. I mean, I do these as much to talk about the Mavericks, to get my own feelings out than to make content for everybody else. Just because I like, I, you know, I'm going to watch these games. Even when Josh tells me to take the night off, which he has been doing, I'll still watch like at least two thirds of a given game. And so it's just, it's good to kind of talk about this stuff. Um, I think they'll bounce back. I do think yeah. they'll be fine. Um, I've enjoyed, there's one guy in the chat, Henry, who says, you know, the Mavericks need to trade Kyrie to the Lakers for kind of that poo-poo platter of guys. Um, I don't necessarily, if things are weird by mid-February, I don't want to say anything's off the table there. Not going to, not going to lie there. But they're playing okay. But I mean, they're like, playing they're still... like they're number one, they're better than the Lakers. So, yeah. what, you know, so it's unless Kyrie's like, I want to go to the Lakers and I'm going to sit out and do stuff, which I just don't think he's going to do. Um, I think the trade season element of this, and I wanted to talk to you about this for a little bit. The trade season is going to absolutely drive our fan base hopelessly and, and recklessly insane. Could, could you kind of walk walk us through why? Uh, I think because the team is maybe a little bit I mean, some people have probably expected this, but they're 19-15, so they're in a really good spot. Um, the West, I mean, the East, you know, Boston is a juggernaut. There's, like, three juggernaut teams in the East. I don't think anyone truly, like, Minnesota and Oklahoma City are really good. Denver's obviously great. Um, but I think people feel like after the top three, there's some opportunity for the Mavericks to to maybe butt their way in. So the fact that they're four games above 500, they're having a pretty good season. They're within range for, for home court. I mean, people want them to push the chip. Like anytime a team is, is close to contending, a fan base is going to want them to push the chips in. And I just don't know what chips the Mavericks have to push in right now compared to what a lot of these other teams that are also uh, contending or near contention have. Uh, and I think that's going to make things difficult. And I'm already bad at coming up with fake trades, but 
I mean, I think theoretically, I mean, what the Mavericks have like a future one future first they could trade right now. Then they can't. There's not really much else. Until 27. Yeah. yeah. But if they wait till the draft, they have more future picks that open up to them that they could trade. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got contracts like they can match money pretty well. But yeah. they, you know, Green and Hardy not looking good this season or as good as they should. There's just not that one, one or two blue chip young players that you can throw in one of these trades. Like, you know, the OG and Anobi trade. Like, who is the Mavericks' Emmanuel quickly? Like, he is a significantly better young player than either Josh or Jaden Hardy. Um, like, you need, if you're not trading a bunch of first round picks, which the Mavericks don't currently have the ability to, you got to trade guys. And I don't, unless they're, you know, dumping salary, you know, like, I just don't see how they can swing the big third star trade or, or big third best player trade right now. Mm-hmm. But I've been surprised before. I didn't no, that's true. So I don't know. Like, I'm not going to poo-poo anyone, but I, I just I, I just don't see how it lines up at the deadline. I can see how maybe in the summer they can get creative when some picks free up. and That's that's what I think. And and there's some there's a reasonable sports mindset of, well, if you think you have a chance to win, you need to go for it right, right now. Mm-hmm. And a night like tonight is kind of a reminder. <laughs> I don't think the metrics are there yet. Like I, I'm really delighted with the nine, nine, 19 and 15 overall. I think they'll win these next two against Portland. They'll be six games above 500. And then they hit kind of a tougher, tougher part of their schedule. And then if they come out of the end of February, I'm sorry, end of January, like three games North of 500, be pretty happy. And I know that's not enough for some people and I get why, but this is to me, I just keep kind of circling back to for as much as I get mad about game to game stuff. The big picture is they missed the play in last year. Yes, they tanked, but they, you know, the, the, the way that this franchise is where they are and, and our, the chat is getting incredibly frustrated right now with one another. The Mavericks are where they are guys because of risks that they've taken that haven't paid off. Like it, it, at a certain point, you, the bill comes due. You know, the Mavericks made a the close to an equivalent all-in trade for Kyrie Irving last year. We, we just have to express that. Like, yes, they still have one pick left, but then they, they sent a 2030 trade for um, Grant Williams. Until they move out from what they owe the Knicks, they don't have a lot of flexibility. And so if you're happy, you're probably not happy, but I'm enjoying watching this team, understanding that, I would love to see them make the playoffs, which I think is a pretty high likelihood thing. And I would love to see the matchup with who they get in the first round and maybe they surprise somebody. That's the extent of my expectations right now. Now, maybe things change. Maybe Kyrie really comes alive and he and Luca figure out something and they just start mowing teams down. That is absolutely within the range of possibility. I just oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, I would... I'm a Pascal Siakam truther, man. I mean, he's my boy. I love this guy. Um, I've told the story in Slack. My first job out of college. I didn't know this till today. How did I, I not know. know this? My first job out of college, um, I was a sports reporter for a newspaper in McAllen, Texas, which is in the Valley. And I got the UT Pan American beat. And their men's basketball team played in the WAC, which played New Mexico State. At the same time, Pascal Siakam uh, played at New Mexico State. So uh, I got to see him in college, and he was awesome in college. Um, mm-hmm. He was a late bloomer. 
he didn't really start playing basketball till like his his like junior or senior year of high school um, coming to America. And he did play his only year of high school basketball, I think, in uh, Louisville. So he has some Texas ties. Um, so I didn't see him in high school, but I saw him up close in college in small arenas with like 200, 200 people in a gym. And I'm sitting like almost, you know, on the court because I'm in, a, you know, those small college gyms where the press can pretty much sit right, right at court side. So I've always had an affinity for him. Um, even with, you know, I always like his, his type of player too, like big, big forwards that can score and, and do stuff. Like I love those guys and everyone does. So I, if, if they could trade for him, they should, like, I would, I would push in all the chips to trade for Pascal Siakam right now. Like I would do yeah. that in a heartbeat, but I, my thing is more, yeah, I just don't know. I don't know how they beat some offers. Now some, some of them, fans yeah, have, have told me like, they think that the market won't be as competitive because it was pending free agency and that's where i'm like okay i don't know like i'm not good at predicting that kind of stuff the pick but, allocation yeah. with certain franchises is so out of whack right now that it really distorts what the market is and is hard to tell because if you would have told me that that nicks offer and you know there um there's a couple of folks in the chat that i saw earlier probably talking about this the offer that the knicks you know ended up getting you know sitting out for og ananobi like oh why can't dallas do that they don't have a they don't have two players like RJ Barrett and Emmanuel quickly. No, or? no, but they also and then yeah. like that was like such a seat that was such an agency based trade. I know get yeah. into the weeds. Like it's not like you move past that and like like that's the other dirty part about this that we never yes. really talk about. Is <laughs> like there's elements of of agency stuff that doesn't make sense to us because we care about the team. The moment you know Adrian Wojnarowski and 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 Sham started telling us about agents was the moment that a lot of this stuff was like lost and like I stopped caring because I don't want to talk about that stuff. I don't really want to think about who's so and so's agent. I mean, that's part of the reason. Like realistically, I would guess that part of the reason that that there was that back end um, swapping of players for the Mavericks on the the G League guys the other day is like agency based stuff. Um, so. I just the the OG stuff is fun to talk about. I'm sorry, well, I'm sorry. The Siakam stuff is fun to talk about in theory, and I would be obviously very pleased if the Mavericks pulled it off. I do think, though, and I keep saying this, but it's like at a certain point, you, the bill comes due, and it if that's the move you make, that's the move you make. Like that, you might not be able to make many moves past that. So, you know, is this the team that you're happy with? Like the Mavericks aren't going to have draft picks for a while. They aren't going to have free agency space. They aren't going to have picks to trade or use. So it's just, they got to be careful here. And I think that's really underrated in the moment because we're so excited about, oh, the Mavs are four games above 500. Well, if they're playing 500 basketball by the end of of January, just because they played a slightly harder schedule, are you going to feel differently about the team? I think the answer is probably yes. And so at that point, maybe you have a different outlook on this team. I mean, a lot of folks don't want to waste what Luca's doing. I get it. I don't want to tell you i know see proud vet says same spot as last year disaster no no No. like Derek lively exists he is such a foundational piece that it's hard to contextualize like if we were if we would have missed out on lively like made the playoffs they would have gone into this year's lineup again with dwight howard or dwight howard dwight powell as the starting center and maybe dwight howard god he would have been like one of the guys available to them like they wouldn't have made any of these these you know these things like team building is so difficult and I, we sometimes want to say it's easy because it's it's fun to talk about, but it's really hard. And the Mavericks are, are in a better place. Um, 
I understand what they're saying because the Mavericks were 22 and 16 on January 2nd of last year. Um, but that was because they had just won seven in a row against the cupcake uh, schedule. So we'll okay. see. I mean, I mean, I don't think that the Mavericks are going to lose. Man, what did they lose? I don't know what the rate they lost games was toward the end of the season, but uh, I, I think they're the roster is in a much better position to avoid what happened last season. Yeah. No, and you make it to the summer, and if something's available at the trade deadline, this team has earned enough goodwill from me, the constant naysayer, to say, all right, I have to trust they know what they're doing. You know, as much as I don't like the Grant Williams of it all right now, or even the Josh Green signings, those two things made sense. It's just up to those basketball players to figure their own shit out. Derek Jones Jr., Dante Exum, absolute, Derek Lively, absolutely outstanding. We're just, it's, it, this is, you know, you lost like this and fan one, two, three is really taking this loss really hard. And I get why it's going to be okay. I really do. I really do think that. All right. Yeah. I think right. so too. Yeah. How do we talk for 45 minutes about this? Uh, Cause we haven't talked a lot lately. That's true. <laughs> we need to get it out of our system. That's right. All right. I will be back for the Wednesday game though. I am solo parenting two children that night. So I may not have the smartest of takes. Though um, a regular listener would probably say it's not like you have the smartest of takes anyways. So we'll be back. <laughs> we'll be back on Wednesday night uh, for that first Portland game. You got anything else before we go? No, I don't think so. I think I think people are frustrated, rightly so. But two straight home games against the Portland Trailblazers should be the the nice tonic to cure uh, everyone's uh, the bad taste in everyone's mouth right now. So yep, yep. just try to be chill. Oh yeah, and I'll probably host one of the live streams after this. It's just I got I got to get to bed because Lord knows my wife might wake me up at five in the morning and tell me to uh, hey go deal with the baby. <laughs> so everybody be good. Thanks for hanging out. Appreciate everybody in here. Go Mavs. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that seventy five percent of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.